And we are rolling. Welcome, welcome listeners to Startup Soda's first ever in-person podcast. I'm here with my first guest, my favorite guest, Taylor Bailey. Taylor, how are you doing? Great. How are you doing, Nate? I'm so jazzed. This is, um, I've, I've done a lot of podcasts in my life, probably over 50, and never done one in person. So Yeah, this is fun. I've also done a few podcasts and never in person. Honestly, like the logistics of it mm-hmm. is a big, or has been a big hurdle, but I think this is going to work out great. Yeah, hopefully the audio doesn't suck. We did a small test before, so should be good, right? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Well, this episode is going to be a tiny bit different in that Taylor's been on the podcast before. He was guest number one. We did a lot shorter episode. I think we did like 40 minutes. I think it was even shorter than that. Yeah, I know. I know when we did it, I was thinking I wanted to stick around, like do shorter episodes. And then the feedback I got from my wife was that was way too short. And since then, we've gone usually closer to like an hour and a half. So we're going to just kind of roll with it. Um, I guess for those who haven't heard the first episode, Taylor, will you introduce yourself? Sure. So I'm Taylor Bailey. I am a manufacturing engineer. I work in the medical device field. Um, as a hobby, I like to do video. I guess that's a bit of a side business. And I'm working on a novel that I've been working on for a little bit. Would you call yourself a novelist? Um, I never have before, but I suppose that's an accurate description. That's how I always describe you to my friends. My yeah. friend, the novelist. <laughs> it's a tricky situation because like, I'm, I, I, I'm a writer, but I don't know... Like some people make a distinction between, you know, you're not an author or you're not a novelist or whatever until like you're published. Uh, so you're but, just a writer. So I don't know. I'm a writer, I guess. Awesome. Well, Taylor is in town in Spokane, Washington. Came to visit me for the President's Day weekend. We went snowboarding yesterday. No, we went snowboarding on Saturday. Um, and now we're kind of wrapping up the weekend with a fun podcast. And we went to the Albertsons in the middle of a blizzard and we got a bunch of sodas. We're going to try a bunch of different sodas. We're going to chat about the last few episodes, probably Taylor's listened to most or all of them. And so he can give some feedback and just have a generally great time. I think. Heck yeah. Awesome. Well, um, let's jump into the soda testing since, since we're here, we have a nice array of sodas before us. Yes. So Taylor, why don't you present your choices? All right, so if you listen to the first episode, or if you know me very well, you'll know that I don't, I'm not like a huge soda person. Taylor hates soda. Much to Nate's chagrin. <laughs> literally the only thing that drives a wedge between our friendship. So. It's true. But I decided to try some new things that I haven't tried before. Um, so I have here Americana Delicious Vintage Honey Cream, because I have a huge sweet tooth, so I, that sounded tasty to me should we crack yeah. this one? do you want to use i have the ceremonial flip-flop <laughs> with the um, bottle opener in the bottom yes, let's see if i can manage so gonna open it let's see that wasn't enough i'm an amateur bottle opener yeah same amazing and then we have some we lost the um got the cap there we go 
So we have some glasses of ice. We're going to pour some soda in. Let's get some ASMR here. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Awesome. And I think now we now we taste. That's basically just like cream soda, right? Yeah. It's not bad. I feel like I got too much water in mine. Mine was 100% Because of the ice? <laughs> Oops. I'm going to have to try another. another one. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor's dying. <laughs> Poison. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, man. I'm, gonna I'm not cut out for this. I'm going to try another. <laughs> try another drink. The first time I did one of these bottles, I don't, think, I don't know if it was the one with you, but I'm, not, I'm so not used to drinking out of these that, like, I got like it down the wrong th wrong tube and almost died. <laughs> Trying to see if I can get some um, better fizz. Jeez, that did taste a lot like water at the end there. I don't know. Right, I'm gonna give this like a, out of ten. I don't know, like a four. It's just bland to me. I like the flavor, but there's not enough of it. Yeah, it feels like it's coming already watered down yeah it makes me question my senses and they're like oh no is there something <laughs> i got the COVID. yeah oh excuse me <laughs> i deplete that okay that's definitely yeah like a four or five and not a repeat by no editing. definitely sorry not. americana well now we're gonna we're gonna follow that up americana up with um the huckleberry flavor which i really really hope has more flavor. Now this is Americana again. Yep. This this really if the uh, if the Americana people, geez, if they listen to this, we're, this isn't a hit job. We're just giving it um giving it a fair review. This one is a very pretty purple. I like that a lot. I do kind of like the good. fizzing. It definitely does smell good. I'm I'm hope I'm feeling hopeful. <laughs> Nope. See, actually, this is the thing. I don't know it's if I like Huckleberry. Well, I like Huckleberry. So we, Huckleberry is like a, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, Huckleberry is like a Washington thing mm -hmm. to me because we don't have that in Arizona, and I'm sure there there are other places around here. That it's very much Pacific Northwest thing though. So like I, last time I was here, I had Huckleberry ice cream shake, and that was amazing. Mm -hmm. But this is not that. No. I had Huckleberry in a drink the other day, and I just, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I don't like Huckleberry soda. Why'd you pour me so much? I have to drink all of it now. Yeah, we're going to pause for station identification. I give this like a, I don't know. This is like a four, maybe even three. I just really don't like the flavor of this. What do you give it? The flavor is not great. And again, it just tastes like in the Americana distillery yeah that's where they make soda right in mucleto washington they are just diluting it with water yeah americana people hey this like is great it's sweetened with pure cane sugar maybe you should talk to the people over at pepsi and get some of that like chemical sugar mm. that um makes it taste a little better okay we're gonna pause and we're gonna go dump our cups so we can come back and we got taylor has a jones soda which hard to go wrong with jones and then we have a um Shirley Temple soda pop that I picked out. So it looks, it's all pink and fun.
Um, so we will be back. And we are back. We dumped our sodas, got new ice, and we, as Taylor just <laughs> said, we are ready to be hurt again. Taylor, tell us um, your second choice. All right, we have a Jones cane sugar soda. The flavor is berry lemonade. I actually didn't see the lemonade part. Hoping that's not a problem. But uh, I remember people liking Jones when I was in high school. Yeah. I feel like Jones is like a cool soda. It's also made in Washington, I believe. Oh, for real? Yeah. Like got some people skiing on the... Yeah. I like how they always have different um, like covers. But also, I've had this flavor before. And I remember thinking it was good, not great. So... Let's hope. When are we going to get an actually good soda? This Shirley Temple soda pop, Hollywood's original, is going to be great. I just know it. <laughs> Down the hatch. Down the hatch. Bon appetit. I do not like that. <laughs> I'd say good, not great. I would it's say good. not good. I like, I understand what they're trying to do, but the berry and lemonade to me just too sour. Go for three. Yeah. Well, this Shirley Temple, come on, dude. You got this. I'll give this a two out of ten. Would not drink again. I wish I would have remembered that. See, this is the problem. This is why I don't. <laughs> this is one hundred percent caffeine free, very low sodium. Got to be good. Like, right? <laughs> the thing I hate the most about some sodas is just how much sodium is in there. Oh yeah, those sodium sodas. <laughs> Okay. I'm feeling a little nervous. I'm not confident this is going to be Me good. Neither. Though I have had Shirley Temples before, like at restaurants, and I think they were generally pretty good. So we'll see. That was not good at all. Strike four. That was the worst <laughs> one, potentially. Well, friends, um, we just tried a bunch of soda for you. Um, I would say don't, don't get any of the ones we got. Um, Maybe just stick with what you know. Don't open yourself up to being hurt. I have a fifth soda here. You mean water? Because that's not soda. And that's pretty... Actually, let's, let's have a taste real quick. Hmm. Consistent. Yeah. Consistently. Perfect. Just what well, I needed. I have a pink monster that will help bring the good taste back into my mouth. Amazing. Okay. That was gross. That was a bummer. But we don't do... That's, that's why we do the Startup Soda Podcast. <laughs> it's not to... Um, it's not to take it easy, it's to risk it all, you know, the pursuit of greatness. We drink these sodas so you don't have to <laughs> Amazing. Um, well, Taylor, in some ways, you're here today to defend yourself. <clears throat> yes, if is. you are a longtime listener um, of the podcast, you know that Taylor's not much of a soda guy. And um, I don't know which episode it was. I think it was Charlie's episode. I think it was. Where we talked about the stigma or the um, the perspective of the non-soda drinkers to look down upon the soda drinking folk, such as myself. And I brought Taylor here to defend <laughs> him and his nasty water drinking <clears throat> habits. Look, there are people who say, like, I don't drink soda because I'm, you know, healthy better and better than you and whatever else. I'm not going to deny that. That is not me. Because those people are mean, and they hurt my feelings. That's right. I just prefer water because I like the way it makes me feel. Mm, so one of those better than people, huh? 
and because it makes me feel elite and mm-hmm. um, better than everyone else. Yes. Yep. No, I, soda to me is like in small doses, kind of a treat. I prefer like a root beer or normally like <laughs> cream soda, but whatever no, Americana no, not that. was pumping out, it's garbage. But I don't know, like on a daily basis, like I just don't like the way it makes me feel. And I love just like sipping on water all throughout the day. The other thing is I, it's definitely not a health thing for me because I'm like a ice cream fiend. And I know that like having an ice cream cone every day is like not any better than, mm-hmm. and probably worse than having like a diet soda. So definitely not like on a health. So it's, it's, it's a prescription. It's a pre- prescription. It's a, what do you call it? It's a personal preference on what, you're optimizing for the soda that, or the soda, the beverage that you like best, which just happens to be water. water. But you don't like flavor your water ever. You don't like flavors. You're a flavor hater. I'm a flavor hater. Um, I, no, not really. I just <clears throat> even like Mio. I've never had Mio. Mio slaps, dude. If you cared about me, you would get me. I have Mio in this house. Well, why are we not drinking that? I don't know. I thought you were just like a purist. Like I gotta have a water like fresh off the ground. Like the thing. <laughs> go outside, scoop it up out of the out of the pond or something. I'm glad that it's snowing right now, so we can get some good like snow melt. Yeah. Water. Try that out. Take put it in your water bottle. Take it home with you. <laughs> That's a great idea. TSA. Put, you got anything in this? Put it in your check bag. Oh, great idea. Um, I'm not confident that this water bottle won't leak. On account of how many times I've dropped it. Put it in a bag. Ziploc. Big Ziploc. We'll get a like five-gallon Ziploc bag. Sick. Yeah. I do. So I'm not like a water purist either. I will drink whatever water is available. Like growing up, I, and still, my parents have always had a water cooler. Mm-hmm. So we get water from, you know, like five-gallon jugs, mm-hmm. whatever else. But a lot of my friends would just drink water out of the tap. And that was totally normal to me. And I would, like, if I was over there, drink another tap. And honestly, like, if I was home and I was by the tap and thirsty, I might not even walk over to the water cooler. But I've since learned that a lot of people frown on that. See, that's interesting. I I have, I grew up drinking well water. Mm -hmm. So, like, I always thought, like, water was super tasty. And then I'd go into town Mm -hmm. and drink town people water, city (laughs) water. And I'd be like, what is this garbage? And then I went to Texas and the, the like city water in Texas, they like borderline say you shouldn't drink it because it's mm-hmm. super gross. Um, I don't know, man. I have a hard thing with water. I just like soda and I have to like make the conscious decision to drink water because I just don't think about it. Mm-hmm. I don't like, especially like it. And so I just avoid it. But my like personal trainer, coach person, keeps telling me like I need to drink like 80 ounces of water and I keep being like, you realize that's like 10 X more water than I do normally <laughs> drink. Cause you're supposed to drink one eight ounce cup a day. That's what I've heard. One eight ounce <laughs> I drink a lot of ice that or water that used to be ice. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. But I mean, it's, yeah, it's not great. I'm working on it. Um, I just really like soda, but yeah. Thing about water is that I'm not a doctor mm-hmm. or a biologist or my engineer. I am your engineer. Okay, but there's like you know a lot of parts of your body that run off of water, like need mm-hmm. that precious H two O. I just feel like water's in soda. 
Like that's it's liquid. It it has to at least be at its core a little bit water. Everything <laughs> every liquid. liquid. Yeah, I just think it all is like water, just like with other stuff mixed in. That mm. makes sense. I just think it's like tasty extra good water, tasty spicy water. Spicy water. Yeah. Gross. I will say a large part of like my love for water comes from my mom. She like always was like, "Hey, you got a headache? You better drink some water." Mm. Or like not in like a weird. Mm, like, just like you here, can fix everything take, with take water. Take these oils no. and drink this water. No. <laughs> However, if that's the way you roll, that's fine. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> but I always she always was like, you better drink enough water. And so I always have. And honestly, like if I get a little bit of a sore throat, my first thought is like, I can chase this with water, and it never works. But like if I have you know strep or something mm. like that, like you're not going to cure that just drinking water but that is my first thought see i have the exact opposite first thought and i believe in this diet pepsi it will make your throat feel better that's insane i'm not the only person that believes this my dad does it my wife does it i do it there's at least three of us okay and, and that's pretty big sample size so <laughs> that is pretty large there's just know? something about the like it has to be like diet pepsi and it just like just like Pops this little bubbles in your throat and makes you feel better. Whatever you say. Yeah. It's a dark liquid. It's like um It's basically cough syrup. Yeah, basically. I mean kind of, honestly. That makes sense. I think it like kinda of used to be a medicine. I don't know. I don't know the history. <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen all those ads that are like, Are you hooked on heroin? Try methamphetamines. <laughs> like legitimate old ads that are just like got a sore throat. Have some of this garbage. Drink some Diet Pepsi. Have some cocaine. This will cure you. Oh, man. Which we know now is absolutely true. 100%. Um, cool, cool. Taylor, how is um Arizona? Are you enjoying the weather? Yeah, it's just about to get hot again, though. Mm. It's like the other day I was walking. Or at work, we have three, I guess we have four different buildings, but... I only go between like two of them normally, and it's only like a hundred yards probably. And in the sun, it was getting a little bit warm, and that's disappointing because yeah. it's only February twentieth yeah. or something. Isn't it weird that it's like already February, but also only February? Mm -hmm. Time's weird, man. It's been a weird year. You know what's hard is so I always have to like sign an initial and date stuff, and I. I'm constantly like, it's 2022, it's 2022. <laughs> oh, yeah. In my head, it's still like 2015. Right. Like, I just, I don't know. Time, you get old, and then, like, time keeps changing, and then in my head, I'm still kind of like 16. Mm -hmm. And I just have, like, grown-up job and grown-up money, and but still, I just think I'm a kid. And I wonder if that ever changes, do you think? I don't know, because as a kid, you always make fun of, like... You know, old people. Right? Oh, yeah, old people. For being like, well, back in my day, all this stuff. And now, like, I'm only 26, which is pretty by young. all rights, like, <laughs> super young. Pretty young, right? But still, I'm like grouchy and cranky, and like, kids didn't used to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I feel like I look and am pretty similar to when I was in high school, but then I'll look at pictures. Like, actually, so we just went snowboarding, right? Yep. I got a Facebook memory yesterday 
Oh, the first time I went snowboarding, which was 10 years ago. Jeez. And I look, I look very similar, but like, there's definitely a part of me that's like, is that me in this picture? Mm -hmm. Because it almost looks like, uh, are you familiar with the Uncanny Valley? Mm Mm-hmm. It's almost like that, where it's like, that looks pretty close to me, but it's not me. Yeah. So someone's trying to like, make a fake version. Yeah. I was looking at some pictures of myself. Maybe it was a dream, but like I saw, (laughs) I saw, (laughs) I saw myself like, no, I was looking at pictures. I was going back to when we lived in Arizona Mm -hmm. and like right at the beginning of like, it was like five years ago, I was like 20 and I didn't have a beard yet. And I was just kind of like very much just still a kid. And I like almost don't recognize myself like that. I know that that is me. Mm-hmm. But, like, my face just is such, a, like, a boy face where now, I don't know, I could pass for 35, I think, if I needed to. You have more of a girl face now? I do. I have way more of a girl face now with my beard and my, I don't know, like, my jaw. Even, I mean, even now, I feel like I'm not, I haven't, like, I'm not significantly thinner than I was or even any thinner. But I still feel like my jaw is, like, a little bit more just, like, manly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's weird how you like get your like you grow into like your man muscles and stuff like that. Kind of weird. Yeah, I'm still waiting for that whole man muscle <laughs> thing. <laughs> I do feel like so. Obviously, I didn't know you when you were younger, but I've seen pictures, and you are you did like in the pictures that I've seen. Yeah, you did look very young and like kind of baby face a little mm-hmm. bit. And this coming from baby face totally myself, but <laughs> yeah, but like you're definitely like you have a beard now mm-hmm. and. Your face is totally thinned out. Yeah, look pretty manly, huh? Very, very manly. Yeah. Do we need to take another break? I feel like these guys are pretty heated. Well, let's let's shift so we can um, keep this podcast appropriate. Um, Taylor, you've listened to. Have you listened to every single episode? Mm-hmm. Give me give me your feedback on the show. Hot garbage. Well, that's a wrap. <laughs> um. I, so I'm, I'm very biased, obviously. Mm-hmm. I love listening to it because I don't get to like talk to you all the time, mm-hmm. but it's fun to just listen to you. And there's a lot of like, you know, like two guys talking type podcasts that, you know, you listen to them and you feel like you're part of the, totally. you're, like, yeah, like, you're, they're you're your part of the conversation yeah. because you're friends, um, but they're not, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's fun listening to you your interviews because I am your friend Yep. and yeah, way more context. I have yeah, way more context. And frankly, it's nice to get a shout out every once in a while. You mean like every podcast? <laughs> every episode. Um, no, here's what I like about your podcast though, is that there's like every guest has something really interesting to share and usually like multiple things. Mm-hmm. And like Bailey said, I think the runtime is like, you just run, as long as the conversation goes and it's not like super structured. Okay. Now we're going to talk about this. Now we're going to talk about this. It's just, Hey, we're going to chat. You drink some sodas, get your opinions on a bunch of different things. And I love that. Like you have a wide range of people that you have. on totally. the podcast. I like that feedback. Um, I think like, cause we did Taylor and I, for those two who don't know, Taylor and I did a podcast together before called people's growth. And, Startup soda is almost like my reaction or it's like the anti people. Yeah. It's like the anti people of growth. Like I really enjoyed that. 
and I got to interview some really amazing people and learn a lot of things. But that that show was like the opposite. It was very structured in terms of like, okay, we want to get through these questions. We want to like learn something. And I'm trying to get like the biggest, baddest guests so we can blow this thing up. And Startup Soda is just like, I don't care. Like, I'm going to bring people on that I think are interesting. Mm-hmm. We're just going to chat. And it's honestly pretty selfish. Like, I just want to have someone's attention for like an hour and a half and just get to like talk to them, learn from them, joke with them. And it's way more fun for me to do it this way. So I hope the listeners also enjoy it. I think it's usually pretty funny. I laugh. I try to make it pretty laid back. Um, But yeah, if you're listening, I know we don't have that many listeners. But if you are listening and you like it, like, let me know. You can um, DM me on Twitter or email me, nate at nateelliot.com. Um, that's my email. You can email me, but I don't know. It's just a fun show. I think it's like, it's something that I would do even if I didn't publish them, you know, mm-hmm. just cause I like to have an excuse to chat with people. I like it. What I think is cool is like, I'm big into family history and I think that these type of things are like your, you know, grandchildren and, and even your children yeah. will love listening to like, especially when you're gone, like imagine having just a podcast of, oh yeah you know a grandparent that's passed away or yeah something like that. it's crazy to think about like to think about that because i can't even imagine like what that would be like you know to listen to even like like i didn't know my my very many of my grandparents very well honestly and especially when they were younger like i, mm-hmm. I wasn't around and so to be able to listen to them talk and like hear what they're interested in and hear like even their jokes and their mannerisms and stuff mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Like, I think that's like a really interesting perspective. And we were talking like, Nate Taylor asked me, Nate, do you think you'll ever, do you think you do 10,000 podcasts? And I was like, no, that's way too many. It's like <laughs> basically three a week for the next 65 years. But it was an interesting thought. Like, will I be doing this for 65 years? And I mean, probably not, but like, I don't know. I think this could be something that sticks around for a long time because I like it, you know, mm-hmm. maybe I do one or two a month for the, I don't know, next 20 years. That'd be kind of cool to be able to like see the regression. Like that, like that's the interesting thing about like the Joe Rogan podcast is there's so many, he's like almost a 2000. And if you look, I think if you were to go back and listen to the very beginning to like how it's regressed, it's like, it's an interesting, when he started it, he had hair. Like it's (laughs) like, I don't know. It can be kind of like a, like our like ancestors, I think journaled a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of this is kind of a form of journaling, I think. Mm-hmm. So pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's cool. Like every once in a while, a picture that I haven't seen before will surface of a grandparent or great grandparent or something, or like an audio recording mm-hmm. of a grandparent or like a voicemail or something like that. And those are really special and really cool. And then here's like, you know, an hour and a half of. Grandpa Nate, Grandpa Nate, chatting with some guy that how come we never see Taylor anymore? Right? <laughs> Who's this Taylor guy? Is Taylor is Taylor Nate's wife? <laughs> no. Did was was Grandpa Nate married to someone else before <laughs> Grandma Bailey? Oh, uh, yeah. So if you if you had to change, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but if you had to change or add. Or like make some, if you were the producer of the podcast and you're like, Nate, we got to do this thing different or add this thing. 
What would you have? Oh, boy. And know that I probably will do it. So I'll try it for probably like 10 episodes, you know? Why not? Here's what I want. I want you to get one of those sound effects boards that you can plug in and then just be like, random noises whenever. I think that'd be pretty fun. I need you to drop a bunch of money on it. Yeah, that does feel expensive. Get the best kind. Do you have like a a more free 99 um, idea? Do you know those little keychains that have Uh like the 10 buttons on it that you like make different noises? Just get you one of those and hold it up to the mic. I might do that. I don't know. Like, as a serious suggestion? That's a good question. How about this? Do you like the soda talk? I do. I think it's like a nice icebreaker. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like, I mean, I don't actually care too much about what soda people are drinking, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's the point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I like all of your lightning round questions about like books and movies and stuff that people watch and listen to. Cause part of it is like, if you just listen to an hour and a half, and you kind of feel like you're jiving with someone and then they say, Oh like, yeah, like this is a movie I really like and you haven't seen it. That's like a good movie. Recommendation, totally. Right. So I like that kind of thing. Um, I don't know, maybe like even more of that. Interesting. But I don't know. I don't want to turn like, I wouldn't want you to turn it into just like a big questionnaire. Like, hello, please fill out. What is your favorite questions? color? Tell us what is your mother's maiden name? Your social security number? Can we move in with you? <laughs> interesting, interesting. Um, okay, well, let's um, let's talk about startups a little bit. We talked about soda. We talked about the podcast. I want to hear. Um, I don't know what what is exciting to you in the world of innovation. It doesn't have to be startups, but like, what's exciting to you in the world right now? So I think I mentioned. The first time I was on, the camera robots were really mm-hmm. exciting to me. Um, I've seen more and more use of camera robots in like music videos, in movies, TV, stuff like that. But then they use them a ton in commercials because it's really good for product shots. Mm-hmm. Um, and like not to beat a dead horse from last time around, but the like that's a field that I think would be really fun to get into. I'm not really sure like how necessarily mm-hmm. but that would be fun to learn how to program them because it looks like the software like there's a software called Lensmaster that it looks pretty simple like you use keyframes for focus iris and zoom and then position obviously and that's the kind of programming that like it's very similar to some of the robots like six axis robots yeah we use at work and because I love video, I think it would be really fun to just kind of like dip my toe in there and yeah. see what's going on in that world. What do you think is like, I don't know, the biggest impact that camera robots could have on like the average person's day-to-day life? Honestly, I think like entertainment. Yeah. Like there's some, I'm so I'm, I love movies and I'm not like a huge movie buff as far as like knowing all the directors and producers and stuff that I like. There's a couple that, you know, if this director directs a movie, then like Sandra Bullock. (laughs) Yes. Um, What the heck? See, I don't even know how to, what his name is. Like how to pronounce it. (laughs) Taiko Waititi, I think. Uh uh Like if he does a movie, I'm probably going to watch it. Cause like the hunt for the wilder people, 
amazing. Did you watch um the one, the bunny one? Jojo or? Rabbit? Yeah, Jojo I didn't. No. I heard like really good things about it. I keep I needing to, to watch that it. out. But anyway, like I think that there's so much progress, I think, that or like cool shots that you get with camera robots that will just continue to make movies like more and more cooler and cooler. Yeah, cooler and um, what do you call it when you're like in it, immersive. Yeah, I yeah. like that. I like that. There was a. I was telling you. I I asked you if you saw this movie, but I didn't tell you why I was asking. Nineteen seventeen. Oh yeah, see that's a great example of that. Well, say well I was just gonna say like the first like thirty minutes is one continuous shot. Like it mm-hmm. doesn't. There's not a camera break until like literally like thirty minutes into it, and it's one of the most. It's like the whole thing is single camera and it just, it's like broken up, I think, into like a couple of handful of like 30 minute chunks where mm-hmm. they sh- they're shooting it all with one camera the whole time, one perspective. And it was such a different way to watch a movie. And I enjoyed it so much. Like it was just, I don't know, really beautiful. And I thought that it was a really unique way to watch a movie where usually like it can get so jumpy, mm-hmm. not even like distractingly jumpy, but it's so complex in the shooting that this just felt so simple. If it all, all, it almost felt like a more, um, kind of like almost respectful or more, I don't know, correct way to shoot a film like that. Cause it's like a war movie. That's like about this kind of like journey to get basically like deliver this news to this other um, unit. And I don't know, it just like takes you on this journey from like mm-hmm. a single perspective. I really, really enjoy it. Thank you for bringing that up because that's been on my watch list for a long time, and I just keep. I watched not it in theaters. It. Blew my mind. Like I, I would honestly probably put it in like my top ten movies of like. I don't even know if it's my favorite movie, but of movies I enjoy watching the most. Mm-hmm. That's what's cool about movies is that you can, you can take a story, like you know, let's say the writers write down, uh, sit down and write this story. You can take that and you can shoot it so many different ways and it'll turn out so differently oh, just yeah. because of the way it's shot. I mean, think of like the beach scene on Saving Private Ryan. We were talking about this yesterday. They're using like a really high shutter speed mm-hmm. so that it's like jarring. Like there's no motion blur. It's very like, and they're just cutting back and forth. And like, here's a quick shot of someone like trying to shove their guts back into their yeah. abdomen and like just chaotic. And they're achieving one look there. And then from what you're saying, like 1917, achieving a different kind of feel, mm-hmm. but I'm sure they're still capturing that yeah. feeling of war and what. Yeah. That it's such an interesting thing. Like it's such an interesting medium, like mm-hmm. video and like the different, that idea that there's so many different techniques for doing it and making you not just like, Oh, you can make it, make it, you can do this in different ways, but you can make people feel different things mm-hmm. based on how you shoot it. I think that's really interesting. What's cool about, like, I bet 1917, I bet they use some kind of automation in the um, camera movements because those, like, a 30-minute single camera shot, that was probably not one shot. That was probably multiple shots stitched together. They said, I, I you or might be right. Say, I'm pretty sure I read that, like, the first 30 minutes was one single shot. Okay. Or it might not have been 30 minutes, but it was like a very long sequence mm-hmm. that was one single shot. Okay. 
But it wasn't like I, the whole I movie cannot. was one single shot. But this this part, they mm -hmm. they did, they said they didn't do a camera break for like the first I don't know 15, 30, 20 minutes. I don't know. That's crazy. As someone who's filmed like not very complex stuff and is constantly just like, all right, re restart, mm -hmm. restart, mm -hmm. restart. Like I can't imagine doing that. And you get like ten minutes into a fifteen minute thing, and you're like, oh no, that yep. that extra over there like tripped over something. Let's go back. Or I forgot my line. Oh my god, <laughs> I can't imagine. What I was what I was gonna say is like the thing with camera robots and just other kinds of automated like sliders and stuff like that. When you can get really repeatable camera motions, you can stitch two different shots together without. But with you know making it look like it was one shot, yep. because the motion you can just take two shots with the exact same motion. Like, uh, do you like Tech Nine? No, but I know, I know. Me neither. I think he's like pretty garbage yeah. singer or rapper, whatever the heck, artist. Mm -hmm. But I saw because of the camera robot like people that I follow on Instagram, I saw that they were part of this music video for Tech Nine for his song Face Off. Mm -hmm. And there's a shot where it, you mean Dwayne the Rock Johnson's song face. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes, he did such a great job. There's a shot where like it's pointing at his face, and then it pans, it like pans down to a different angle of his face, and then pans over to a mirror of his face in the mirror, and then back to his face again, and then it's like painted with this kind of like a skeleton on his face, mm -hmm. whatever. But with that, it looks like one shot, but it's clearly like obviously they didn't just. Mm -hmm you know, face paint didn't just appear on his face. Yeah. But that's the kind of cool stuff that I think is really awesome when you automate your camera movements. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think, like, I never think about how that's going on in the background. I just think, oh, like, really smart people must be making cool stuff. I can't stop thinking about it. When I watch TV, I'm like, how did they get this shot? Interesting. I'll be more thinking, like, Hmm, I wonder what the insurance policy is <laughs> Or I wonder what sort of liability there is on this thing or whatever. Um, interesting. I'm curious what you think about this. I read this article. Or no, actually, I didn't. No, I did. I did read the article. Are you lying yes. to me? No, I did read the article. <laughs> it was actually an article in Wired Magazine. It was not the most recent magazine, but the one before. And it was talking about this company that basically they basically take carbon out of the air and then they pump it into like concrete or into stone or something like that mm -hmm. to basically like take carbon out of the air to make the air better or make the earth healthier, you know? Seems like a good thing, right? Uh, like carbon dioxide? Yeah, or, okay. I think so. Interesting. So there's a, there, that's, that's what they're doing. There's another company that's doing basically applying that to, cause you need like a bunch of energy to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think what they're doing is they're harnessing like heat, like geothermal heat, like coming out of the earth, mm -hmm. harnessing that to basically do the process so that it is kind of like, because it takes so much energy that it can be, it actually doesn't do. It can be carbon positive. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you can, yeah, it's like you have to be careful in doing it. So you're not just like, basically wasting your time. Um, there's another company that's doing it, basically applying that to like fossil fuel exploration, things like that, or hard harvesting or whatever, and using that energy to d then do, take carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere 
to make that whole process like carbon neutral. Mm-hmm. But people get or basically saying like, oh, that's bad because we should be trying to like shut down all fossil fuels. And I thought that was like a really interesting, I was like a little bit disappointed with like the, the writer of that article and some of the people quoted, and maybe I don't have all the information, but it seems like, I don't know, like you can think fossil fuels are bad, but if it is truly like a neutral to the environment, then how is it bad? You know, if you can do it in a way that, Hey, we can still do this without harming the environment. Mm -hmm. Yes. Maybe we want to shift towards electric vehicles, but if this is a way that we can, if this is a step in the middle where people can still use it, like I just like a little bit bummed out with this idea that it has to be all or nothing. Yeah. I I agree. Yeah. That's my son. He wants some to come in. He says, daddy, get out. And he's banging on the door. Uh, where are we? <laughs> One second, my friends. And we're back. Okay. Um, you may hear some shrieks in the background. I promise he's okay. But um, I don't know what we're talking about. Talk- oh, uh, you were expressing... Frustration. Yeah, like, does it really have to be all or nothing? Yeah. Fossil fuels? I think that... I get myself, like, turned around in circles when I think about this type of stuff because, like, fossil fuels have, obviously, um, some negative effects on, mm-hmm. the, on the environment, negative impacts. Like, that's very clear. Yep. Um, and it's a limited resource. Yep. You can't just, like, hope to just keep finding more, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, if our replacement to that is, like, lithium-ion batteries, that's also not sustainable, yeah. right? And I just keep kind of go down these this rabbit hole of, like, well, what is sustainable? And yeah. I think the bottom line is, like, nothing. Diversifying. I don't know, like, we, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> we just need to not use any energy whatsoever. We just need no more people. We need to get rid of all the people, and then we can sustain. That's a possibility, for sure. I just think that like it's it's unreasonable to try to just like stop using fossil fuels altogether. Totally. And like Elon Musk has some interview that I've seen like a bunch of times that people are like, look at this. Even Elon Musk doesn't want to Musk Musk doesn't want to get rid of <laughs> yeah. fossil fuels because it, like a large part of our economy is. Oh yeah. Like it would just crumble if we yeah, got rid of it all together. Yeah. Could you imagine like? No more fossil fuels. Okay, well, we all have these cars that are now basically useless that we've spent, right? Like, mil- billions of dollars right. accumulating so that we can operate our lives. I mean, there were, I heard of a startup a few years ago that was like helping convert cars to electric, and I think that's really cool. Like, that's a step in the right direction. Of, I mean, yes, if we want, if we can move away from fossil fuels, that seems generally great, but like eliminating completely just doesn't seem realistic at all. Yeah. And then, look, there are other, like Iceland, if I remember correctly, it, I could be wrong here, but I think that they're carbon neutral mm-hmm. because they use so much geothermal energy. Yeah. But, like, that's not yeah, available everywhere. We, like, yeah, what are we going to do here? You can't yeah. tap into something that's not there. And, you know, it, like, every type of energy, it seems like there's just, there's a downside. Mm-hmm. You know, we can use dams hydroelectric stuff, but then you are affecting the, the animals, um, the fishes, yeah, all the fishes, the aquatic life. 
and the whatever. marine biologies. That's right. All the biologies. And the ge- geologies. Every oxes. And the silts. And the you know, wind turbines. Wind energy is great. Except the bats. The bats. And like when you're done with your wind turbine, what do you do with that? Yeah. So I mean there's just I guess the point I'm trying to make it I'm not trying to do it doomsday about yeah. it but like there's downsides to everything and i think we just need to try to find like the best yeah keep working on it. solution but if you think that you have the best solution and like it's your way or the highway you're probably wrong yeah i think i like that i like that well um what should we talk about next because i didn't put together an agenda because we usually can just talk for hours and hours and hours i want to know what the deal is with you reading all this fantasy stuff lately? You're some kind of weirdo. I'm I'm actually a huge nerd. Um, so my big nerd friend um, named Taylor, he introduced me to all these fantasy books, and like I have, like barely watched TV this year, like very little TV, because I just keep getting sucked into these fantasy worlds. And um, I read Codex Alera. It's a six book series. It's about. Um, 120-ish hours, maybe a little more, to read all of them. And my wife and I read them over about like a month and a half, two months. And I just recently finished those up. It was a big, huge bummer to finish because it's a really fun world. Um, but now I'm, I think I'm probably going to jump into the world of the Dark Tower, the mm. Benslinger world, do some Stephen King, I think. Maybe I'll jump into um, Game of Thrones world or Mistborn world. I don't know. I like, I've gotten into this whole running thing except this week. Um, And it's really fun to have like, I don't know, man. It's like, I keep saying this, it's like TV for your ears, but better. Like Mm -hmm. you get to do all the casting and they don't take like shortcuts because they don't have to like an an extra page to like do a scene, right? Mm -hmm. There's no time limit. If they want to write, 750 pages, great. They want to write 850 pages, cool. I mean, I'm sure their publishers are like, we want a certain amount of pages, but like, I don't know, man. I just, it just is like an awesome medium. And the biggest game changer in the world for me in terms of reading has been audiobooks. And in doing audiobooks, Libby, like, I went to the library, got a library card, and now I have access to basically all the books that I want to read. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. Like, there, I can get most of them on audiobook. And I can listen to them when I take the dog out or like, I, I don't sit down and read. Cause like, I can't, it's a hard for me to focus that much. Like I will read certain things, but like, I want to go on a walk and listen to something or go on a drive and listen to something. And I, I know that I don't retain as much, but especially if I'm trying to do something that's just relaxing and enjoyable, like fiction books, like I don't have to retain everything. I don't, I'm not trying to learn something. I'm trying to enjoy myself. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's like, very, very positive thing that's been added to my life. And it's all thanks to my big nerd friend named Taylor. Sounds like a great guy. Yeah, good influence. Cool. He's pretty cool. I'll give him like a 7 out of 10 on a good day. <laughs> that's better than all four of the sodas we tried today. So Combined. that's good. Um, I don't, I, so I love like TV and movies, as we talked about. Yep. But books by far are the best medium, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I grew up reading tons of books. And again, I have my mom to blame for that she would read us Harry Potter, like we'd all climb into her bed and read, read Harry Potter together. And then since then, obviously I've, you know, read on my own, mm-hmm. 
Um, but I had this weird thing where for a while as an adult, I was, I just didn't have time. And I was like, well, I can't, it would take me like six months or more to read a book because I didn't realize that you could borrow audiobooks from the library. Yep. So I would go from, I went from reading like one or two books in a year, if that, to listening to like 50 books in a year. Yeah. Just because, I mean, between commuting and just working around the house, stuff like that, running, there's, you can really digest a whole oh, lot. Oh, totally. Actually, and one of the things that's been like pretty positive, I think, for my mental health is listening to books because once I make the commitment to a book, it removes decisions from my life <laughs> that, like, I kid you not, I had to like ground myself from podcasts for a while because I'd go on a walk and it was going to be like a 10 or 15 minute walk, but I wanted to like maximize the utility of my walk by mm-hmm. listening to something fun or enjoyable or educational. And I'd spend half the time trying to pick the right thing. And then I'd get upset and like frustrated with myself for not making the most of my time. And so now I have to pick a book that I'll listen to for five hours or 10 hours or 20 hours mm-hmm. instead of pick, listening to a pod, picking a podcast that I'll listen to for like three hours tops on like the longest podcast, you know? What would you say is your ideal duration for an audiobook? Like 20, 30 hours? I don't know. I I don't feel like I've listened to enough to have a, a good answer because I really enjoyed the Codex Alera books that are like 20 hours-ish. Mm-hmm. And that was nice because it felt like I could move through it pretty quick. Mm-hmm. However, it didn't feel short. But I also just read like a f- six-hour book the other day that was like not – it was like a kind of like fiction, nonfiction, I don't know pop psychology kind of book. Okay. And that was great. Like I enjoyed that. I also read like an hour book and I was like, that was too short. I barely even call it a book. Um, so I don't know. I'm pretty like indifferent to length. I'm more just give me, make sure it's good. You know, Mm -hmm. but I also think like for podcasts, I've thought about that a lot and I don't, I don't even know if there is like the right length. I think it's more about the quality of the content and then as until it's done. That's what I think. Mm hmm. But, um, I think I like the like 20 to 30 hour range because I feel like I, I, I like books that are that like have that level of detail. In yeah. Them. Yeah. But longer than 30 hours sometimes is like a little bit much. Oh, it's yeah. like some of my favorite books are the Stormlight Archive and they're all like 50 hours long and they're fine. And they're because they are some of my favorite books and they're read by Michael Kramer and Kate Redding, which are like the best, the best narrators around mm-hmm. in my opinion. That's fine. But like, I'm also listening to the wheel of time right now and those books, the story is good, but there's just too much detail in places. Yeah. And I wouldn't mind if it was two thirds the length. Yeah. You know? Totally. Totally. Especially considering there's 14 of them. Yes. And exactly. a sequel. That can <laughs> that's be, a lot. Yeah. That can be kind of intimidating. That's actually, that's the thing I get, I get almost like decision paralysis or it gets really stressful to me to pick something new to commit my time to. And so it's easier for me to commit my time to something shorter. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like if I start something, I want to finish it. And there's kind of that, you go to public school and they tell you you have to finish this many books per year or per quarter. And like, I have to finish these books and I don't 
like to stop in the middle. And I think that's probably not the best way to read. Like, read what you like. This isn't school anymore. Right. But I don't know. It feels like a big commitment to start a podcast or a book. Like, books even feel like more of a commitment. But then once I'm in it, it's, it usually only takes me, like, 10 minutes to be like, oh, yeah, this is great. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, getting over the hump with a book. That's why I have, like, I have a whole bookshelf of books that I've never read. And mostly it's because I get too nervous to even start them. Like, which just feels really dumb. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a real thing for me. But then once I'm in it, it's, it's super easy for me to commit. Sure. But like podcasts are even worse because it's like I have like a hundred episodes of like fifteen different podcasts that they, I'm sure they're all good. But how do I pick? It's too stressful. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I'm basically down to like I have two podcasts that I listen to like as they come out. Then I have one that I'm super behind on that I listen to if I have like nothing mm-hmm. else to listen to. And kind of catch up, but I don't, I'm kind of every once in a while I'll try a new, new one, but I'm like, nah, I don't really, Yeah, it's too much. Yeah. It's, it's such a, I don't know. It's a stressful thing. Cause I feel like, Oh, that's, I waste my time. And I feel like I have to listen to every episode, which is yeah, not true. I'm not, I'm not that way, but I am that way. It's interesting. What, interesting. what do you think of the idea of escapism? So like I've heard negative connotations around, escapism as far as like reading fantasy or just reading fiction or watching TV or whatever, just to like escape reality and like the idea that you're not, you're just trying to like escape from like responsibility or whatever else. But to me, the idea of escapism is like, no, like I'm, I'm just escaping into like a fun place for a little bit. Like, if I'm driving to work, why do I need to be in my truck? Why can't I be in Alera? Yeah. Or, you know, whatever. That's interesting. I think I think my perspective on a lot of this has changed over the last, I don't know, year or two of life of, like, going through five years of school, thinking that I needed to do it, like, as fast as possible, that I needed to be not placing, like, enjoyment of life as high on the list of priorities as I thought. Mm-hmm. or as maybe I should have. And that's partially why I didn't really read fiction books. It's like, I, I should be reading things that'll teach me something. Mm-hmm. And, or I should be reading something that like makes me better at my career. And I've actually found that like having that escape, like that's the same thing. It's the same escape that I crave with TV. You know, mm-hmm. I think I should think like, it's kind of, I kind of a beef with the idea that you shouldn't try to escape because I don't think, I guess maybe I define escape differently. It's not like I'm trying to escape my real life. It's I'm trying to escape the, maybe the tension or the pressure or the discomfort that I feel right now mm-hmm. and move my, my mindset or my presence into a place that is more enjoyable where I can feel safe or feel relaxed or find peace. And then I found that that allows me to then go back to the difficult stuff better you know yeah so i don't know i think like shouldn't we be teaching people to do that that's why people meditate right i I think like people do that to like find peace and to kind of escape that sense of turmoil i don't know like i i do that on a run like i sometimes i feel stressed out and i want to go like escape this bubble of stress and go 
put myself in a different mindset. I feel like that's almost like part of mindfulness, like mm-hmm. is escaping the like where it's right in front of you, giving yourself perspective so you can then come at it from a better place. Right. So right. I don't know. Kill all the escape escapism haters. Right. No. But that's what like yeah, like you said, mindfulness. That that's what balance is all mm-hmm. about, right? Is you have your time where you're working, you're focused, you're concerned about your responsibilities, whatever else. But it's good to have a time where you can relax a little bit. Totally. And I, I guess, you know, it could be a problem if you're just um what's the Walter Mitty? Like if yeah. you're just zoning out in the middle of yeah it's it's like the thing with extremes like you take anything like that to the extreme and i think it's going to be probably not very healthy mm-hmm. but like i don't know i feel like that's a huge part of balance it's just like giving yourself outlets to be okay you know or to reset or to be happy like i don't know there have been days when like it's a rough day and like the most joy i get out of it is going is escaping to a different world in a book and like getting to like let someone else have the problems, you know, yeah. and watch them figure it out. And it's also like inspiring. I actually like learn a ton from fiction. I think people that only read nonfiction should challenge themselves to pick up like some really good fiction and see that you can learn a lot from other people's fake problems and fake worlds. Like mm-hmm. I actually took a lot away from the Codex Alera because the main, like the protagonist is a really good person trying to do the right things and he challenges a lot of like status quo and challenges himself to like be creative and find alternative solutions even when everything looks like completely hopeless i don't know that's that's my answer i like it the only trouble with like relying too much on learning from fiction is i think (laughs) sometimes you get people who like think that like oh this is how i can get a girl or this is how like I yeah. can stand up to my bully or whatever, like just because it worked in a book yeah. <laughs> because somebody wrote it <laughs> doesn't yeah. mean that's going to totally. work in real life. I feel that like learning from what people are doing and what I find really interesting is when I'm trying to write stuff, I end up having to learn a lot from other people because I'm like, Hey, this person is struggling with this like mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, situation challenge and so i'll go to my wife who is a therapist and say you know like how would you comfort this person Mm -hmm. or what advice would you give this person and so a lot of the stuff that my characters end up doing comes from what people in real life would do hope like hopefully that's the that's the goal yeah that's really interesting i i'm i as you're saying that I think that, or I had this thought that I think kind of what you can gather, the learning that you can do from fiction isn't the same as like the learning that you might do from nonfiction or like real life stories mm-hmm. in that like you, you probably would be unwise to go into a fiction world, watch someone do something and take that as evidence that like an idea is good mm-hmm. or that this is a good thing to do or that this is how you should do something. Or if you do nonfiction provides a little bit more of an opportunity to say, Hey, this is real life evidence that like this tactic works or that this, you might get this reaction because it did happen. And hopefully it's accurate to how it happened. 
But I think what you can pull from fiction is like, this is a principle or an idea that resonates with me or that feels right. Now let me go into the real world and kind of test it out and see if I can find evidence for it in the real world. Like I'll give an example in this series, Codex Alera, the kind of one of the things I'm for a podcast host. I am terrible at speaking. Um, <laughs> when I get excited, I trip over my words a lot. Um, the main character of this book, Codex Alera, he is very kind and he's very intelligent. And kind of the thing that I took away from that is I think in leadership and like in life, those are almost, I think two of the most important traits you can have is to be like really creative and, and thoughtful and try to try to be really rigorous in your thinking, but then also have a lot of compassion and kindness for those around you and be thinking of how thinking of others in your decision-making because like, I think a lot of leadership, they have one part of it is they're really rigorous or they're, they're really smart. But then they don't think of how their actions affect other people mm-hmm. or they maybe don't care about how their actions affect other people. And that leads to, I think, tyrants and really poor choices. But then you also have, I think, a lot of ineffective leaders because they only think about other people and they're not really rigorous and will this actually work? And so yeah. something that I was thinking about that is like, the reason why I think the protagonist Javi is so great at what he does is because he really sees everyone as a person and care and can care about them regardless of whether he knows them for a long time or not. He sees people in their humanity, but then he's also very smart and into and like very intelligent and really is willing to like put in the work to find the right answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really hitting on like, a lot of the thoughts that I've been having lately because I've recently stepped into an interim managerial Mm -hmm. position and I am very much like a think about the people type of person. Totally. But I'm starting to see more of the, like the reasons why you sometimes need to think about the company as well, because if the company isn't successful, then the people don't get totally paid, right? Totally. Like, so there is like a very, very interesting balance, and like that's kind of one of the things I hate the most about leadership is like somebody has to make the decision. Yep. And if you're the leader, like you have to do it right or wrong. And part of that, I think, is I don't know. I, I think we should be more appreciative of our leaders and the fact that like. Sometimes they make their own choice, but they have to make a choice. And sometimes there isn't a very good choice. To totally. Make. Totally. It's like, I mean, it's, it's not a, an example from our world, but like, if you're going to battle, sometimes you have to accept that in this war, people like real people with real families are going to probably die. Mm-hmm. And that is a huge bummer but somebody has to basically be in this position or all of us will die. And that's, and that leader has to make that decision. And that's not, it's not an easy decision to make first of all, but I mean, you have to take into account, I mean, you have to weigh a lot of things and I think you're totally right. Like it's really easy to sit kind of in your like ivory tower in your comfortable house with your air conditioning and like judge other people's leadership decisions. And I'm not saying that is like, 
a political statement at all because I think it's true on of leaders like everyone is critical of leadership, I think, at some point in their life. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy to do that when you don't have the pressure of that, of like having to make that decision or having to tell people your decision. Like, I know I've been guilty of that in the past. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that was your decision? Right. Well, how's that a good idea? But like, I don't know. I didn't have to look people in the face and tell them that was my decision. Right. Well, that, could, that scales to all kinds of different levels even down to just parenthood, right? Totally. I don't have any kids, but even just being an adult now, I see that it, like the struggle of making that decision, making different decisions that will affect your kids and like your kids maybe not understanding why you made that decision. There's probably, there's plenty of times where like you're going to make a choice that you can't really explain very well to your kid. Yeah. that stuff. I don't know. Have you seen that already? Even the- well, I mean, it was just like a second ago. Miller's like, oh, Hey, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I want to come in here and play with you. It's like, Hey buddy, like, I know you don't understand what I'm talking about, but I'm doing a podcast. I'll play with you later. But like right now, I, I'm deciding that this is more important to me than playing with you. And like, that sucks. But like Taylor's only here. I can't like get into that with a two and a half year old. Mm-hmm. But I mean, and I think I'm sure as he gets older, it will be like, I'll hopefully be able to explain more things to him. But even, I don't know, even when you're like our age, I think the more I learn is the more I learn is like I don't have the perspective of somebody twice my age. And so I'll think like, oh, that's dumb. But I mean I maybe there's pers- there's things that I can't only learn through experience and I don't know, trying to just be understanding of people. Mm-hmm. I think part of that comes down to like take your relationship with your son if he knows that you really love him, which like I've seen that he knows that because you do a really good job of showing that um, it's probably going to be easier for him to accept that the reason why you're making whatever decisions is justified. Even if he doesn't understand, he part of him will hopefully realize that, you know what? Daddy does love me. (laughs) Right. And so, it's not just that, like, oh, he doesn't care about me anymore. It's just, no, he, he is just doing something, and he'll come back. I mean, you work from home, right? Yep. So you have to deal with that all the time. Do it every day. Um, but I think that same thing can go, you scale that up to other leaderships. Like, the engineers on my team, I think they know, hopefully, pretty they well that <laughs> I love them deeply. <laughs> no, that, that, like, I do care about them personally, and I want them to be successful and to not, like, it hurts me when they have to come in on weekends and yep. stay late and stuff, stay late, stay, stay late, late. Yep. some nights. Um, but they know that I am there with them. And like we've even our most recent hire is, has been here a year and we've like been through the grind together. And so that's one yep. nice thing about like my, the position, position where I'm at right now, we've kind of already like established that we will all, work really hard for each other totally. and so when i say there have been even been already a couple of times where i'm like hey i need you to do this like, i don't want to do that and like okay let's let's talk about it but in the end it comes down to like they end up doing it because they know somebody's got to do it and like this is the best um dispersion of yeah. or distribution of responsibility totally i think i think like comes full circle to like, yeah, you have to be 
rigorous in your thinking, but also if you don't have that compassion level to it, like mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to just be like, I don't know, like pounds, go pound sand. Like you don't care about me. You just want me to come work on weekends, but mm-hmm. that's what makes like a new manager or, or take it from a parenting perspective, like fostering a child mm-hmm. or adopting a child. That's what makes those situations harder is because you don't have that history of earned respect. Oh, totally. I think that, and I honestly like the, I think that principle of like earning respect or showing love or showing that you care about people genuinely. To me, that's like probably the most important thing that you can do in any interaction with someone. If I mean, just in doing the right thing, but also like if you want to convince anyone to do anything, Mm -hmm. you should probably start by convincing them that you aren't just trying to take advantage of them and that you actually care about them as a person. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, this was a fun chat. Let's do the lightning round. All right, let's do it. Awesome. Um, what does a startup you wish existed? So can't pick, can't pick the same answer. As what? As last time. Last time I failed. Okay. If you remember right. I don't. I don't. I didn't remember, but now I do. Uh, so the answer that I was going to give last time. Oh, was, was the Zoom had one? A huge, yeah. Yeah. Huge brain fart. So what I want to do is have like a plugin for Zoom or teams what like whatever um zoom like platform by the way i hate zoom do we need to talk about that well i just hate that you have to open like a whole nother app oh yeah it's so crazy like i'm not even saying google meets like better than zoom but the fact that i can just open it in a new tab one thousand percent better yeah that is nice anyway i want to make a plug-in or i want someone else to i don't want to do it somebody else make a plug-in for zoom that you can input the salaries or at least the hourly rates yeah. of all the people who are participating in the conversation. And then it will output, it'll just display in the like bottom right hand corner how much money is the, the meeting is costing, right? Mm-hmm. And as an extra extra bonus, I would love it if specifically different dollar amounts were attributed to different people based on the amount of time that they were speaking. I love that. So like here we have an hour meeting and you've spent 20 minutes of it. And this whole meeting cost us $700. That's a terrible number. $900. $300 is attributed to you. Like good job. You wasted $300. Hope it was worth it. That's actually, I'm thinking about this from a different perspective. Now, I actually think that's a really good idea. Not because, not from the, per, not even from the perspective of like running the total in the bottom corner. Cause I think like people will get, um, what is the word? Like when you grow like tolerant of something, they'll get blinded to it maybe. Oh yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Whatever. Basically like people will, it's just like you see the number at the bottom, like a bottom screen, like, Oh, we've been doing this for a long time. You get mm-hmm. used to it. And then they'd get used to seeing like, oh, every minute is like $10 or whatever. And they'd just Mm -hmm. be like, whatever. They're not like a huge connection with them to like the money that they're spending. Maybe like leadership might care. Yeah. But I would be really interested in going into a company and thinking of this almost as more of like a, um, like a consultation type, like a, like a more of like a consultant services company Mm -hmm. where you go into a company, you plug yours like software or your plugin or whatever into their like zoom or whatever. And then you analyze 
all of their meetings for like a whole month and you basically say, this is how much you're spending on meetings. Mm-hmm. This is how much time you're wasting. Or like, this is where you could cut back some of this stuff mm-hmm. or cut these people out because they're not saying anything and save yourself some money. And that could be like a really interesting way of helping people like build efficiency, especially in like a more remote world. That is interesting. Nobody steal that idea. You're going to do it? Maybe. We'll see. I need to figure out how to build a plugin. <laughs> what is a plugin? I don't know. I think I could get how one. How does this work? I'll probably just chop one off of like a cord and break it apart and try to figure out how it works. Make sure to ground it properly. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. I mean, I'm not your engineer. Yeah, so. you're not an engineer, so. Do whatever you want. But I, I think that's a really interesting idea. There's a chance that I stole that from Grayson Allen. I can't I think remember. you did, yeah, but I don't care. So. I'm going to still do it. People don't have property rights and ideas. That's right, Grayson. Yeah. Execute. Execute like, Grayson. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I, like that, I think that would be um, be an interesting. I think like people might pay for that, especially like bigger companies. Because I mean, <laughs> think about it. If you're like a or like West, like a company, like you have like thousands of employees, right? Yeah. Like we have like fifteen sites or something. Like yeah, that, like in the world. You could waste a lot of money in meetings. That I mean, because people just add people to meetings mm-hmm. and they just like sit there and probably like scroll Twitter, honestly, if they're not like super important or they just got added to it. So you're like, or cut people. I mean, people hate meetings generally. There is that interesting thing about like, if I'm on a meeting that I don't feel like is beneficial, I will try to work. But if I'm distracted from my work by the meeting, then sometimes I do just end up like scrolling on something. Yep. Cause it's not, it's not, it's not useful, a useful use of, it's not a great use of your time to be trying to work while someone is talking into your ear about things right. that you don't care about. But it's also like to tune that out, but also to be present enough in case they talk to you. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just think like you're, you're 100% better off in a lot of cases, not putting the per- people that might not need to know on in the meeting and sending them a summary. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, this is a good business idea. Do you want to hear my startup that I wish existed? No. Let's go, go on to the next okay. question. Um, what is the last <laughs> question? Let's start up. I'm actually, I'm actually like a little nervous to say it because I actually might start noodling on it. Um, but so I've been getting into Web3 a little bit and trying to like learn about what these companies, like these projects, like these NFT projects or these DAOs or like what, how to kind of get involved. Mm-hmm. And they do all these events. They'll do like Twitter spaces or like a discord chat or whatever, or like even like in-person events and things like that. And I find myself being like, Oh, that's interesting. But then I forget about it. I get busy. And I trying to figure out like kind of where I fit in with these different projects and trying to like get up to speed and figure out where, I don't know, like how I can learn enough to know if I want to contribute mm-hmm. or spend time on it. And to do that, you you need like a level of immersion, probably by like joining a chat or listening to a Twitter space. But keeping track of all that, super hard. And it's like not, I haven't found a place where you can go that besides like each individual Discord to like find these different announcements. Mm-hmm. So I would like to, I would like to use a product and potentially build a product that basically you can go in, you can be like, hi, this is my like Web3 events dashboard go in, I say like, these are the projects that I'm following. Can you build me a calendar of my events? Interesting. So you basically go in and be like, 
I'm part of this DAO, this NFT project, and these different groups or whatever. And then it like auto-populates your calendar for the week. Like on Monday, you have a Twitter spaces. On Tuesday, they're dropping a new mint or, mm-hmm. or they're minting, they have a new NFT mint. On Wednesday, you can join the Discord chat or whatever. Like, I think that could be really useful in helping more people feel included and mm-hmm. be able to like spend time actually like getting like I think that's a hard part of community especially with people that aren't super online is like being able to plan out when you're going to tune in for something mm-hmm. I don't know I think that I think it would be useful for me I don't know if it'd be useful for others I'm sure it would yeah. I'm still in web one so yeah, you're I don't maybe really need web zero <laughs> so I don't I don't really know much about DAOs and NFTs and all yeah. that stuff, but that sounds like it would be useful. Yeah, I was talking to one of my friends, and he's like, yeah, but there's like one company called, that does something kind of similar called NFT Calendar, and it, but it's just like really NFT-focused, like when different drops are and things like that, and it's kind of like it's like riddled with ads and mm-hmm. kind of just like spammy, and I'd love to do something that's like more personalized, like go build yours. And maybe there's like an explore section, but it's more about like if I know what I want or I know what types of projects I want, how can I? It could be, could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. What is the last book you read? The last? So, uh, let's see. I just started Ready Player One. Okay. So, I'm on chapter two. I can't give much feedback, but I like the voice, and I like the way well, I kind of know the premise behind it. It's really interesting to me, the idea of the Oasis. I'm sure most people know, but mm-hmm. if you don't, it's just like a VR space the oasis where you can go and do like they'll do like school there and they'll do church and just like adventures all kinds of different things um but like the real world outside of the oasis is poopy just poopy it's like so many they ran out of fossil fuels (laughs) so they as all the rural people came into the urban areas. Did you just say the rural people? Rural. I can't say it very well, okay? <laughs> and guess what? That is also to blame. My mom is to blame for that one, too. <laughs> she grew up, or not grew up, but lived on rural road. Rural. 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 The rural Jew. It's a, in 30 Rock, there's a whole joke about this um, character that is in this movie called The Rural Juror, but she can't. She keeps saying, like, the rural Jew, and they're like, what is this movie? <laughs> Anyway, so hicks like you, yeah, seriously, moving into rural hicks urban like areas, um, they were like, "Well, we need more room, so we'll just stack all the trailer, like in trailer parks, they would just like stack them up like twenty nice. high." Anyway, it's interesting to think about because obviously, the you know environment and everything is like a big topic for us. Like mm-hmm. we, we were talking about that earlier, and now with like the metaverse and all kinds of like yeah even like roblox and things like that like their virtual reality is becoming real right and so i'm very interested to see what happens in this book and what parallels there are to what's going on in reality super interesting so yeah that's really i like i didn't have any of the context for player one except the like VR aspect of it mm-hmm. but that is like it feels more close to home than I thought it would so it's really interesting mm-hmm. 
Um, I might have to, you'll have to tell me if you like it. I'll I will. Check it out. There's also Ready Player Two. How do you feel about that? I don't know. I'll let you know when I'm done yeah. with this book if I feel like it merits a sequel or not. Deal. The last book I read, well, technically the last, I'm just going to say the last book I finished because the last book I actually read or listened to was, I only got like two minutes into it, so I'm not going to count it. Mm, that's fair. Uh, but I read The Anatomy of Peace Ooh, good one. by the Arbinger Institute, and it is really good, man. Like, we were talking about this the other day, but like, there's some really, some principles in it that, like, as I dig into it, I feel like really help explain like I don't know some like the interpersonal conflicts in my life and reasons why I can have a hard time like with certain people mm-hmm. and I don't know I it's also written in a really interesting way like I've read a lot of nonfiction because I like I love self-development self-help books and all that <laughs> garbage I do like I, I've read a lot of those but this is written in a way that's very it's not like teaching you things and like this is this this is how it applies here's an example Mm -hmm. it's written like a it's written in how how do you describe that it's fiction right yeah like yeah so it's how do you it's like it's a weird because it's written like a novel basically it's telling a story but the story teaches principles i think that's just like um fiction like i i get caught in this weird trap of like i don't know how to categorize things that are realistic mm-hmm. fiction because I'm so used to things falling into like science fiction yep. or fantasy or alternate history, whatever. But like, it's just, so the interesting thing though, is like it's fiction that's like backed in research. Mm-hmm. Cause like these principles are like philosophies and stuff have, are not just like in the story, but like they're taught in like, I, there's, I think there's like a lot of research behind. Yeah. It's lot, basically like stuff. a, Almost like a parable. Yeah. Like it's a story that very well could be real and all of the principles in it are meant to be learned from. It's like what we talked about with fiction, how like it's not the greatest idea to just Mm -hmm. say, hey, this worked in this book. It should work in my life because it's just like some author writing a story. It's the opposite of that with this. Like it is purposely and intentionally written in such a way that you're supposed to apply the principles that are taught in the book. Yeah. It's really interesting. It's... um... I really enjoyed it. It's only six hours and I think anyone can learn from it. And it's actually like really enjoyable to watch these people that are having these like conflicts, basically like premises, these parents are dropping their kids off at this like wilderness, kind of like wilderness therapy program. Mm-hmm. Um, they're having struggles with either addiction or like interpersonal problems or like they're just kind of younger people having problems and their parents are kind of at their wits end trying to help them kind of get their lives on track. And it's all about how the parents learn the skills that they need to help their relationships. And I learned a ton. Like, I'll probably end up listening to it again or, like, digging a little bit deeper into some of, like, the principles just because I can see, like, one of the, the main the main principles is, like, whether you view people as people or as objects. And I totally see how, like, in my life all the time. I view people as, as objects and that's when you put yourself in a position to be hurtful or be, mm-hmm. or be like unkind or like betray yourself in terms of what you know is right or not. And I, I'm super, I'm, I know I'm a pretty self-aware person. I know I'm pretty, a pretty selfish person too. 
and so when people are like getting in the way of what I want to do, very easily like get out of my way. Like you're an obstacle to me, like knock it off. Like, yeah. You're bothering me. Like even last night, like my wife, my kid fell asleep in my room. It's like four in the morning, and I was telling my wife to unplug the, um, unplug the TV or turn the TV off. She's like, I can't find the remote. I was like, unplug it. She's like, I can't find the remote. I was like, unplug it. Like, listen to what I'm saying. And that's like not, that's not who I want to be. It's like, I don't want to snap at my wife, like to say like, listen, that's rude. Like, I, that's not who I want to be. But I, in that moment, I'm like, you're an obstacle to me getting to sleep. And so that warrants me just speaking unkindly. And um, I don't know. It, it was like really impactful book to me. Would you say that you had a heart of war last night? Oh, oh, I have a heart of war all the time. Like, it's kind of my thing. It's like, of our war and get out of the way because like Nate's got a friggin' show to run and I don't want to be that person. So I like that book a lot. Great pick. I love that book too. Um, so last movie you watched? I want to say it was don't look up. And was it good? Is that the, that's the Leonardo DiCaprio, Jonah Hill. It's on Netflix one. Right? Yeah, it was all right. Who's um, the girl? That's Jennifer Lawrence. Which I did not recognize her at first. Like her brown hair. She got like weird hair. Mm. Not, if you have hair like that, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, just it, it was. I don't know. I don't know that I can say much about it, but it it was very much like a commentary on COVID and how it was handled, and the whole idea of like rejecting science. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some funny parts for sure, and definitely some frustrating things that I could identify with. When you're like, you're trying to tell someone, like, look at this problem, because the whole idea is like, the whole premise is there's an asteroid that's going to hit Earth. Um, we need to do something about this, and they're going on like this media circuit, and everyone's just like, oh, that's interesting. Like, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Next guest. Like nobody is caring that this asteroid is going to come hit Earth, and that's. You can kind of see that yeah. in the yeah. world. But totally. largely, I wouldn't recommend it. If you do watch it, I don't think you'll hate it, but I won't. I can't. Like, I can't recommend it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I actually can't answer this question because I don't, I don't think I've... I don't remember the last movie I watched. Mm-hmm. The last TV I watched, I watched Battle of the Bastards. That's great. No, we watched Blippi this morning. Blippi. True. <laughs> It'll be Blippi. I don't know. I haven't watched movies in a long time. I... There was a movie I wanted to watch. I don't know. Licorice Pizza, I think. The heck? I saw it in theaters. It looks like... I like, like, indie, like, rom-com. Mm. Not, like, not like rom-coms. Like, I like rom-coms. Who doesn't I've like got rom-coms? an indie movie for you. Yes, I love indie movies. So Safety not guaranteed. Bro, I told you about that movie. Oh. Or, like, we've talked about that Okay, movie. so That's you, like, you gave me a... I think, I think... I don't know if I told you about it, but I know I told you... We've talked about it. Okay, well, never Because it's, like, one of my favorite movies. I'll just leave. That's one, of my, that's one of my favorite movies. That's one of my movie for today. Um, what's the last concert you attended? Uh, a couple weeks ago, we went to our first concert since 2020. Oh, yeah. I'm super jealous. Went to see Falling in Reverse. They were headlining, and then they had some guy, Jairus Johnson, who we missed, and I don't regret that. Then Hawthorne Heights, who was... They're, like, pretty good, but in concert, they were actually really good. Dude, somebody... Right after you said that, somebody... Hawthorne Heights came up, like, the next day. I don't know what happened. Like, it's a, that's a weird thing. And I know it's like, it makes sense. Like you hear something and then you recognize it and mm-hmm. they're together. But like, it was like the next, like that week. I also, I heard about Hawthorne Heights twice and I don't remember ever hearing about them ever before in my life. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know who, I can't remember. 
what I loved about them is that they, it's kind of like when I saw Weezer a little while back. I've also seen Weezer. And they're just like a bunch of dads, right? A bunch of dads. The lead singer was wearing like this striped polo, but he was like going after it and they sounded great. And what I really, I love in concerts when the um, bands are like, you know, we effing love you. Like, thank you so much for coming. Like, you guys are the best. Mm-hmm. And like when they just chat with you for a little yeah. bit, love that. Um, Ronnie Racky didn't do that a whole lot. He's the lead singer of Falling in Reverse, dear audience. Um, but he did say some funny stuff that was, yeah. he, he was really Was good. he good? Yeah. He's good. He does that weird thing with his mic though. That's kind of annoying, huh? He like, he, like pulls, away. pulls it away. Yeah. And he, like the first couple of songs, he pointed his mic out to the audience way too much. I was like, look, I know that we all know the songs and it's fun to sing along, but like the I came here, came here for, yeah. to hear you scream at me about your terrible childhood. Totally. Totally. I don't have a good answer for this one too, because everyone on the podcast already heard me say mm. MGK. But hopefully, I'll go to a. I have another a couple of concerts that are coming to Spokane in the next couple weeks, and then I'm probably gonna go to Salt Lake City for Dangerous Summer in April. So nice. Hopefully, get back into live music. Um, we gotta wrap things up. Um, let's just do. Did I already ask you the dinner with two people? I don't um, think you did. But I can give you a quick answer. Yeah, let's now. hear your dinner with two people. So one alive, one dead. The alive one would be Jesus Christ, because I believe in the resurrection. Mm-hmm. And the one dead one would be J.R.R. Tolkien. Ah, that'd be a really interesting. I would think it'd be really interesting to, um, like discuss with both of them. Obviously, like Christ would be much more important to me. Mm-hmm. But it'd be interesting to discuss with them both about faith and. Like, I'd love to talk to Tolkien about how his faith influenced his writing. So, obviously, as a fantasy writer, like, I can't not be yep. influenced by Tolkien. He's, you know, like, the father of fantasy. And so, it'd be really interesting to talk to him about the faith side of his writing, but also just in general, like, how did you build such an amazing world? And tell me more about, like, the linguistic side of things and whatever else. And then, obviously, I'd have a ton of questions for Jesus Christ. Which I won't get into right now. (laughs) Amazing. Well, this was super fun, Taylor. Um, What, I mean, how do people connect with you? Or if, I don't know, if you want people to connect with you. Sure. On Twitter, you can connect with me at Taylor underscore C underscore Bailey. That's with an E-Y. That's pretty much the best way to do it. If you don't have a Twitter, then make rocks. Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. This was episode 10 of startup soda hopefully episode 10 of many um i already have another one scheduled for this week and hopefully lots more coming down the pipeline um if you listen to this thank you i know that not many people do but um we're just gonna keep pumping these out it's a lot of fun for me and um if you have soda recommendations hit me up happy to buy soda and try it so cool cool thank you taylor oh yeah and um Goodbye, my friends. Stay hydrated. Soda only, please.